the first person or the first um, book that I came across that showed me the possibilities of how work could be different was a, a book called Maverick by Ricardo Semler. Yeah. What a book. And Ricardo took his father's companies over at the age of 21. So it was a company based in Sao Paulo in Brazil. And it was mm -hmm. a production company. So they had, um, I, I think they had 100 people when Ricardo took it over. There's a lot more people working for the organization now. Mm -hmm. And Ricardo would ask simple questions. It's almost like we, we talk about the, the nine whys. If Just keep asking why we do something and you'll get to the, mm -hmm. the understanding that maybe it's not possibly needed. And one of the things that really got to me was um, he had he had seen that people were coming to work every day and they were clocking in and they had to mm -hmm. clock out. And he looked at this big queue of people clocking in in the morning and clocking out. And he went, that just seems to me on a human level to be pointless. So he contacted the unions and he said to the unions, he said, um, I'm just looking at this whole clocking in system and clocking out. And I think it's a bit pointless. So I think I think I think I want to get rid of it. And the mm -hmm. unions went, oh, hang on a second here. What? So, <laughs> so let us think about this. So they had to go off and think about it. And they came back and they went, uh, well, we're not sure about this whole idea of getting rid of the clocking system. You know, in Brazil that we get an extra five minutes grace if we're late. We feel we're going to lose that. And he said, yeah. well, you don't need to worry about that. Because <laughs> when we cancel the clocking system, none of that's required. And they yeah. go, oh, we, do, we, we don't know about this. So they were very cagey and very nervous about this and very uncertain because no one had ever proposed anything like this before. He said, Let, yeah. let's talk about this a little bit more. He said, where is your head office? I said, what do you mean, where's our head office? Where's the union head office? Where, where in Sao Paulo are you based? He said, well, why do you want to know that? He says, well, I want to meet you there. Let's have a meeting, but we'll have it in your head office. Yeah. So he was meeting them at their level in their space yeah. And he had a discussion about this and, and they got rid of it and because it, it didn't make sense. And there was reticence and nervousness at first. But then after a while, people began to see if we can have self-managing people where we give trust to people, greater autonomy, people will do the right thing. Yet we put all these boundaries and these different things in place to try sort of to almost to, to trap as Richard Branson would talk about it. We create rules that that affect the 98 percent just to catch mm -hmm. the two percent. And we'll always oh, give, yeah. be able to give examples of people who yeah. abuse the system or whatever, you know, but everyone else is affected by that. Yeah. And for the first time, Ricardo began to give control and autonomy um, and self-organizing teams to people who worked in the productivity space. And I thought that was yeah. quite incredible. Like he, in his organization, what they do is every meeting that they hold within the organization is accessible to anybody. So even if mm -hmm. they're talking about the finances, and the CEOs and the CFO and all those important people are at this meeting. Even the person that's cleaning the toilets is allowed to attend that meeting and, and speak. And that's very empowering. So everybody feels a part of the organization. So that was the first, mm -hmm. first insight I had into that. And then the second one was then me beginning to read the, um, the Happy Manifesto from, mm -hmm. uh, from Henry Stewart. And that really opened my eyes to the way the world of work could be different. There's, there's, there's 80 observations in there that Henry makes how we can actually change the world of work for the better. Yeah. Alongside with a guy called Alexander Kurloff, who was based in uh, Copenhagen in Denmark as well. And he was based around the whole idea of, of, of woohoo at work, whatever, you know, he's, he, uh -huh. he was involved in the woohoo Academy. So those three people were the first instigators of our first catalysts to be able to, to get okay. me interested in the possibilities of what work could be. 
Amazing. I haven't read the third one you mentioned, but uh, I read Henry's book first, Henry's Manifesto first, and I had been I had been, was working for myself for a long time. I, I finished the book and was like, oh my god, I want to apply. I want to work. I want to work there. Uh, I thought, okay, that's that's funny. And then I read Maverick, and like, it's one of the it's one of the best book ever. Yes. Uh, so captivating as well. I you know I I love how he started by observing everything and then the first part was like making things even tighter and it's like oh my god no that definitely doesn't work and then starting seeing all the steps and how far he goes is just amazing well what he's actually um, doing is he's he's got a great ability to be able to remember we talked about when cultures become quite stale and everybody gets put yeah. into a box when he was talks about removing the boxes and mm. what actually happens now is that if you go work for that organization you you don't have an office space you've got to try and find an office space if you get there yeah. if you turn up to work you don't need to necessarily turn up to work if that's if your role doesn't require it or define it yeah. and also if you're a production team like if your job is to produce 300 widgets a week he'll let you and the team organize how to produce those 300 widgets a week. So if you feel that coming in at nine o'clock is easier than coming in at eight o'clock because it avoids the traffic and you can finish work at four o'clock rather than three o'clock, well, well, fine, go do that. And um, so it gave control back to, back to people. There is um, a project called Google Project Oxygen where, where Google actually went to look, Google tried to get rid of um, management around about 2003. When there was only about 300 employees, I think, with the organization, they were all generally uh, computer engineers that worked for the organization. They don't like being managed. And Google at the time um, decided, let's be really radical and let's get rid of leadership. Let's get rid of management within the organization. Yeah. So they did. They got rid of management. There was actually only one guy coordinating all of those employees. Um, and very quickly, they realized that they couldn't do it. Um, he became co completely overwhelmed with all the work that he had to do, where he had to sort out rotors and in, you know, grievances that they might have had and other things that needed to do and uh, that needed to, to to be done that that, that leadership yeah. just requires. So they reinstated leadership then again within the organization. But that stayed in the back of their mind. And about 2008, they came back to this. And he said, well, if we can't feel we can't get rid of leadership within the organization, how can we find out what creates the best leader and then use those markers to be able to define what our leadership needs? And they did this and they sat down and initially what they did is with, with like thousands of hours of interviews and blind interviews, they um, they came up with eight um, characteristics that were needed for uh, the best leaders. Uh, they've updated that now to 10. Mm -hmm. But the, the one thing, um, the one thing that they found as the most significant uh, attribute of a really good leader was simply to be a good coach. And coaches yeah. are really good in this role of they empower the people to come up with the answers and decisions themselves. Mm -hmm. So if you in a role can empower people, because what actually there's something that happens inside of our body when we are empowered to do things. So if we're, we're mm -hmm. asked rather than being told from the leader, yeah. what the answer might be, if you're empowered to come up with a solution yourself, you're more likely probably to come up with a better solution. that's going to empower you like people who set their own targets within organizations. So really good organizations are good at being able to let people set their own targets. Mm -hmm. If you set your own targets, you're more likely to set harder targets, yeah. more likely to attain those targets than you would do than if you were set a target from a manager. You've got ownership of it because you set it. It sets off yeah. what we call inside, call a seeking system. And Daniel Cable talks about this. He's a lecturer with the London School of Economics. And he's written a really good book about this. Um, ab about the seeking system that goes on, this little dopamine rewards that we get from 
you know, exploration from trying something new. And some yeah. companies are really good at being able to do that. Companies like Atlassian, which are an Australian company, had started to do this a number of years ago. They own Trello, which is the, one of the productivity apps that we use. And what they had talked about was that they were the first company, I think, to do a 24-hour downtime period where you would have any the teams were allowed to be able to come up with a project to be able to create yeah. something over a course of 24 hours. It wasn't work-related, but it could be work-related and somehow it fed back into to what the organization did. But that 24 hours that those people worked on the project, it set off that seeking system inside, the idea of exploration, the idea of ownership, the idea of something new. It's very, very empowering. And mm-hmm. really good leaders are really good. They're the ones that step back and they say, I don't have the answer. What do you think we could do in this situation? Yeah. I don't know if you've heard about David Marquette, who is the um, the leader of the Santa Fe. He was a, a commander in the U.S. Navy. He was. And the Santa Fe was a submarine that he was given the role to be commander of. I think it was a, yeah. he was initially to have another submarine. So he spent a year working out how the submarine worked, all the different ins and outs of the engineering and the technology that was involved in it, uh, the command and control procedures. All of those things, only to get to the end of that year, to be told he wasn't getting the submarine he thought he was getting. He was getting the Santa Fe, which he didn't know how it worked at all. And he turned up and he had to turn up with all of those hundreds of staff that were on on board that and admit he didn't know how this worked. That in tandem with the facts that they were just told that they were going to be audited by the U.S. Navy. Um, And he said, I have no idea how this works. I have no idea how to lead you. So what I'm going to have to do in this situation is I have to empower you uh, to come mm-hmm. up with the solutions and answers. And that's what he did. The Santa Fe to this day is still the highest rated uh, naval submarine in American history, just by him asking the questions of the staff, well, what do you think we should do in this situation? And um, it's very yeah. empowering. Such a compelling example. Yeah, like uh, uh, I remember the story as you were telling it. I don't know where I've seen it or read it, but... Oh, maybe in Corporate Rebels. Maybe that could be an example. Corporate they give, Rebels yeah. might have spoken about that. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's another great book that to list to, that gives an overview. Like uh, these guys are amazing, but like, sorry, I digress. But yeah, that this submarine, had he had the submarine that he thought he was going to have, the story would have been pretty different. Completely so that's, different. Yeah. So just let people do what they know best to do. The um, fear of failure stifles all creativity. One of the most yeah. stressful places in the yeah. world to work, and I don't know how it is now, was a place called the Missilers. Uh, yeah. Daniel Coyle talks about this in his book, The Culture Code, where he talks about company cultures. And he talks about the Missilers are a company that are based, not a company, they, they, they're they the guys who look after the American missiles for the American defense mm-hmm. uh, system. So these are the nuclear missiles. These This is a serious job. So this, these are the underground missiles that are held. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of red tape. There's a lot of form filling. There's a lot of yeah. nervousness about roles, and it's such a stressful place to work for that they've discovered that they make a, a huge amount of mistakes. Now you can't afford to have an organization making a huge amount of mistakes when you're around um, things like nuclear missiles. The the likelihood of something going wrong is huge. Yeah. They're so stressed. They're so stressed about all the different sort of things they have to check, forms that they have to have. Yeah. But there's no sense of trust working for that organization. There's just a sense of fear. And that sense of fear has 
cause that part of the brain that allows them to be creative, think logically and rationally to disconnect because they're in that stress state. And if you ever recognize you being in a stress state, I know when I am, you don't come up with the right answers or the right solutions. You're nervous. you, You make the wrong call. You fill in the wrong thing. You type in the wrong digit. And that's a prime example of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The exact place where you don't want to be doing the mistakes. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're a progressive leader that wants to be able to make some changes, well, mm-hmm. go and study the things that I've been talking about, whether it's reading books like Henry Stewart's uh, The Happy Manifesto mm-hmm. or even Laszlo Bock's work. He, he uh-huh. was uh, in Google or even uh, Ricardo Semler or even talk to me or even talk to Henry about how we can actually help leadership within your organization, be able to look at it differently. It's about empowering people. It's about allowing people, creating organizations where people feel good about themselves and people always do their best work when they feel good about themselves. 